Good morning, and welcome to First Baptist Church of Savannah on this first Sunday of September, this 15th Sunday after Pentecost. It is good to see you in this place this morning. If you are a guest with us from out of town, it is especially great to see you. Hope you are enjoying your time in Savannah, and thank you for joining us this morning. And if you are a guest uh, from Savannah as well, it is good to see you. We have some guest cards in the pew in front of you. At some point in the service, it would be great if you would fill those out and give those in the offering plate when they come by. Let's just get to know a little bit about you. And to those who are here every week, the people who we call family, the people who we call community, who we walk through life together with, it is good to be in this place with you. And so may you join us, or join me, in this call to worship so that we may worship our God. Come rejoice in what God is doing in our world. God has given us hearts to love, bodies to live and breathe, souls to rejoice. God has made the whole universe and is continuing to make all things new. Come, join your hearts in worship of our magnificent Creator. Please join me in prayer. Your word has told us that we should address our lives and our thoughts to you when you are near. And so we thank you for your presence with us in this moment and pray that our lives as we leave this place will so reflect your love and your grace that the world will know that we have been in your presence and will find once again the hope that is badly needed. It's in the name of your Son that we pray. Amen.
Join me as we affirm our faith together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Good morning. Who can read? Can you read? Tell me that word. What's wrong with it? It's backwards? Do you know how you can read it forward? Somebody hold the mirror for me. Okay, there you go. Now, hold the mirror up to the word, and everybody get look where you can see in the mirror. Come look so you can see in the mirror. Now what do you see? <laughs> huh? You see the word church. It's all right. You know, sometimes we have to look into a mirror to get things that are all messed up just exactly right. For example, did every one of you look in a mirror this morning? Why? You wanted to make sure your hair was braided correctly or you wanted to make sure that whatever you looked like was what you wanted to look like. Well, now, I have, a, I have a problem. Let's pretend that tomorrow is Kyle's birthday, okay? And I'm going to bring the ice cream, and let's pretend there's somebody named Johnny, and Johnny's going to bring the cake, and you're going to bring the candles, and you're going to bring the napkins, and you're going to bring the Coca-Cola, and you can bring the ice for the Coca-Colas. How about that? Now, what would happen if Johnny forgot to bring the cake? Could we have a birthday party? It would be a mess, wouldn't it? Well, one of the things that God's Word tells us is that every person in God's world, every person in God's world has a special gift. And one of the things I've learned is if I bring my gift to church or if I bring my gift to the world, what I've learned is that God's work will be done. But what if I'm like Johnny? What if I forget to bring my gift? Then it's really hard. It's really hard for us to do God's work. And so one of the things that we're going to talk about in the grown-up sermon today is what does it mean to look in a mirror and see ourselves? Okay? Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for these young lives, for the future that is theirs, for the shape that this congregation can make in the directions of their lives. We pray for your leadership and your guidance as we pray for the next phase of who we will be as a church of Jesus Christ. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. Thank you.
The first lesson is from the book of Psalms, chapter 45, verses 1 through 2 and 6 through 9. My heart overflows with a goodly theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. You are the most handsome of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. Your royal scepter is the scepter of equity. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Your robes are all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. From ivory palaces, stringed instruments make you glad. Daughters of kings are among your ladies of honor. At your right hand stands the queen in gold of Ophir. Thank you, ladies. That's a hard act to follow now. <laughs> Little change. I am going to read from the Gospel of Mark this morning, and uh, Reverend Charlie is going to read from the book of James this morning. So our second lesson will be the Gospel lesson from Mark, the seventh chapter, starting with verse 1 through 8, then verses 14 through 15, and verses 21 through 23. Now, when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes ask him, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? He said to them, Isaiah prophesies rightly about you hypocrites, as it's written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside a person that is going, that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Here ends the second lesson. The epistle... The epistle lesson is from the book of James, which many of you know Martin Luther considered a book not worthy to be in the New Testament. Beginning in the 17th verse, beginning in the 16th verse, my dear brothers and sisters, do not be fooled about this. Every good action and every perfect gift is from God. These good gifts come down from the creator of the sun, moon, and stars, who does not change like their shifting shadows. God decided to give us life through the word of truth so we might be the most important of all things God created. My dear brothers and sisters, always be willing to listen and slow to speak. Do not become angry easily because anger will not help you to live the right kind of life God wants. So put out of your life every evil thing and every kind of wrong. Then in gentleness, accept God's teaching that is planted in your heart, which can save you. Do what God's teaching says. 
when you only listen and do nothing, you're fooling yourself. Those who hear God's teaching and do nothing are like people who look at themselves in a mirror. They see their faces and then go away and quickly forget what they look like. But the truly happy people are those who carefully study God's perfect law and make people free. And they continue to study it. They do not forget what they heard, but they obey what God's teaching says. Those who do this will be made happy. People who think they are religious, but say things they should not say, are just fooling themselves. Their religion is worth nothing. Religion that God accepts is pure and without fault, and it's this. It is caring for orphans or widows who need help and keeping yourself free from the world's influence. This is the written word of God. This morning, I want to share with you a belief I have, and that is that every sermon should answer a question, or at least ask a question that forces us to continue wondering what in the world was said and what in the world shall we do. I've just returned from a trip to France, and in that trip, I spent, we spent our time looking, uh, listening to people tell us a lot about medieval and then Renaissance history. I had already given Kyle Ballantyne my sermon topic for this week before I left for France because I know how quickly he wants to put things in order. And I had created this, this title of mirror images based on this passage of scripture. When I got to France, one of the tour guides there gave me some misinformation. I didn't learn it was misinformation until later. She said that mirrors, as we currently have them, were not created until the Renaissance, until the 14th century. Well, that's just not right. I'm going to give you more information than you ever wanted to know about mirrors. Mirrors are 6,000 years old, and the earliest ones were polished black stone. And then they evolved over the years in different cultures, polished metal, and uh, eventually people found a way to attach, especially in the 14th century, to attach a kind of mixture of mercury and tin to the backside of a piece of glass so that you had a mirror. But even in that day, mirrors were extremely expensive until 1835 when a German chemist came up with a, a strategy for making the mirrors that you and I have today, and they were available for everybody. Well, I know that's more information than you wanted to know about mirrors, but Francis I, the king of France in the 1400s, fell in love with his mirror. And according to my tour guide, what emerged from that was the fashion industry. Now, every one of us looked in a mirror this morning, I suspect, right? Is there anybody here who did not look in a mirror this morning? We have a good reason for looking into a mirror before we begin our day. Um, I washed my hair. I wanted to make sure that everything was in its proper place. We love mirrors. This morning, I want to answer a question in our meditation. What is the reason God created you? What is the reason that you personally, particularly you, are on the face of the earth? And beyond that, what is the reason that God, in God's wisdom, wanted to create the First Baptist Church of Savannah? What is the reason that God worked that way? And I want to suggest to you that the answer to the question, why did God create you, was in one word, for gladness. I'm going to share with you how I came to that insight in just a bit. But the first time someone shared that information with me, I said back to him, oh, God didn't just create me to be happy. And he said, that isn't what I said, is it? God created you not just for happiness, but for gladness. I reflected at that time on something I was doing, and some of you have heard me talk about this before. 
I was a part of a group of people who were providing firewood for members of our community who couldn't afford fuel, and we literally had people who were about to freeze to death. And so in our second year, we were delivering firewood to 435 families on a regular basis. A friend said, when you go into a home and you find a grandmother sitting with the little children around a tin heater, and that's the only room in the house in this poverty area of town, when you go into that room where those little children are sitting around trying to do their homework but very cold, are you happy about what, what you see? And the answer, of course, was, of course not. I'm not happy. But then they said, are you glad that you're there? Are you glad that you came with enough wood to keep them warm for another week? Are you glad that you got to know them personally and got to have a, an experience in their homes? And that was the sense of gladness that I began to understand. Frederick Bickner has a line about gladness. He says, you discover your deepest gladness finds the deepest needs of the community where you live and the people all around. Let me say that again. Your deepest gladness is met by the deepest needs of those who are right around you. And so I began to understand that it helped me to reflect on whether I was being a Christian or not. Some of us grew up in Southern Baptist churches, right? Quite a few of us did. And those of us who grew up in Southern Baptist Junior Sunday School memorized this passage of scripture that we had today, right? So finish the sentence, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. It's a sobering word to those of us who must look in a mirror and say to ourselves, am I being authentically responsive to the gifts that God has given to me? In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, one of my favorite passages of scripture, the writer said, in each one of you, the Spirit of God has chosen to work in one particular way for some useful purpose. In each of you, the Spirit of God has chosen to work in one particular way for some useful purpose. One of my favorite churches voted itself out of existence just a few years ago. It was the Church of the Savior in Washington, and their founding pastor had retired and then died and they realized that the dream for going on the way they had been had changed and they found, it, they found themselves needing to form a different, a different kind of church altogether. But one of the things that they believed was that you participate in Christian community according to your gift. And their pastor said one day, God has asked you to usher in a chunk of God's kingdom, just you one particular chunk what happens when you don't bring your chunk of god's kingdom well paul is very clear that we are the body of christ and if part of the body is missing then we are not whole and so this morning i challenge you to reflect on your own life and to ask the question what is the particular gift for ministry that god has given to me it's a tangible answer. It's not a general, vague kind of theological or philosophical uh, idea. It's a specific thing. So I was one day asked by the brother of Gordon Cosby, who was a pastor of that church. He said, what do you most enjoy doing? Well, Carlisle Marnie, who, Marnie, who used to be the pastor of the uh, Myers Park Baptist Church in Charlotte, called people like me, clergy, called us professional holy men. I didn't see myself as a professional holy man, man so much, and so when this man asked me, what do you enjoy most, I said, this may sound trivial, but I enjoy picking up a 16-penny coated nail and driving it into a two-by-four and framing houses. He said, you know what, Charlie? We have just purchased an old building in the downtown of our city, and we're converting the upstairs into two apartments for low-income families, and we need somebody who knows how to frame a wall. Can you come and make your gift available? And that is, brothers and sisters, the question that stands before us at every turn. If you make your gift known, are you willing to make it available for a community in need?
as I thought about this, this meditation this morning, one of the things that occurred to me was we have a church covenant. It was made before I came here 10 years, 10 years ago. I want to hold a mirror up to you this morning. And as I read our church covenant, I want you to reflect on whether we're living out what we promised. We as members of First Baptist Church, Savannah, Georgia, covenant together. That means we make a promise to seek God's heart through active participation in worship, individual and congregational Bible study, and a life of personal and corporate prayer. We seek God in community, creating an atmosphere of welcome where all persons are accepted and respected, engaging each other in a celebration of life, strengthening the unity of the church with honest and positive dialogue, and cultivating the next generation of children and youth through programs and participation. Let me pause just a minute. In the newsletter this week from Karen, we all read, those of us who read it, that we're no longer offering a children's program on Wednesday night because no one has stepped forward to say, I would be willing to teach the children of our church on Wednesday evenings. And so the children will come down and, and sit with the adults for the adult program. But we have promised that we will cultivate the next generation of children and youth through programs and participation. And then we seek God in our, as we embrace our calling, our vocation, with a commitment to undergird this church through a process of discerning our gifts, our abilities, and resources, and exercising them as Christian stewards, supporting efforts in outreach and mission through active participation, and we will stand with the poor and the powerless on issues of social justice. When I read that again this week, I thought, do I know a single person whose name I can write down who is a subject of injustice right now? Can I write down the name of a single person who's living in poverty and is living in need that I could, to which I could respond? Do I know the name of a single person who feels shut out of life? Can I write that name down? Can I find a relationship with that person? So when we hold a mirror up to ourselves, many times we see our own failings, and that can be disturbing. But there is a solution. We can hold the mirror up to our entire body of Christ. We can all look together as a church and say, we understand where we're falling short. What I loved about the Church of the Savior was that when they would find a person like me who was not living out his gifts, I haven't built a Habitat house in 10 years, when they found a person like me who was not living out their gifts, rather than chastising what they would say pastorally was, can I help you figure out what's blocking you from doing what God intended through your life? Let us together as a congregation of faith help you move toward being what God meant for you to be and doing what God meant for you to do. So I love that passage that I learned in junior years be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen.
It's a time for praying. I suspect that many of you had a similar experience to what I had yesterday as I listened and watched the entire memorial service for Senator McCain. What I discovered in that worship event was that I experienced healing and a restored sense of hope. I heard people articulate the values that have made us strong and it renewed my faith that there are people who still hold fast to those values. And so I invite you as we call in this call to prayer to reflect on the values that we hold as a community of faith and to ask the Lord so to empower us to live out these gifts that we will truly become known as a community of faith and service. Let us pray. Creator God, we have lifted our many prayers to you. And we have come to know that many times when we're speaking to you, we sense that it's actually your voice that is speaking through us. For some of us, you are so close and so much a part of our personal existence that we know that you're near and we love the relationship that we have with you. So this morning, we lift our prayers. We pray for our nation that we will begin to be, once again, a beacon of hope for the whole world, and that we can be an instrument of peace wherever we apply our gifts. We pray for our president and for all of those who lead. We pray that they would be people of wisdom and courage. We pray for return to civility and respect. These are values that we hold, dear Father, and you know that we want to live by them. We pray that you would forgive us for our many sins and for our failures. When we look into the mirrors of our existence, we many times see things about ourselves that we wish were not true. But we hold on to the hope and to the belief that you are forever with us. As your son left us, he said, as you make disciples, remember, I will be with you always, and we hold fast to that belief, dear Father. Help us to be a congregation who seeks to make disciples, people who are willing to learn about you and about a world that is filled with forgiveness and grace and mercy. We pray for a shining future for this congregation. We also lift up in our prayers today those who are facing health issues, who have concerns about what's next, who wonder if they will ever be healed and whole again. We pray for those who are grieving, especially for those families all around the country who experienced a sense of loss with our senator who has just gone on. We thank you, dear Father, that your presence does bring healing and a sense of wholeness and it is with great joy that we lift our prayer in the name of your Son, who taught us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Every generous act of giving, as with every perfect gift, is from above. So may God's word of truth in us bloom in acts of loving faithfulness. And may the Holy Spirit shape our lives so that we become doers of the word, using God's gifts to bless all. all pray together. God of light and beauty, every gift is from you. Even our ability to give is a blessing of your love. We offer you what we have and what we are. Use our gifts to give birth to a world of righteousness where none are in need and where all draw close to your grace. Amen. The invitation to the table is extended to everyone who considers yourself a disciple and follower of Jesus the Christ. But let's remember what this table is. You remember the earliest reason why Jesus was celebrating this event at all? One night in the life of God's people, they were instructed to spread blood over the doorways of their houses. They were instructed to make unleavened bread so that they could leave quickly because the urgency of what God was about to do 
was before them. And so we come to this table recognizing that what God has done in our lives is to set us apart and to ask us to be ready to move at a moment's notice on behalf of the people of God. So you're invited to come to this table to remember once again the sacrifice of Christ, His blood shed for us, the broken bread that is here to remind us to move with urgency. You're invited. On the night Jesus was betrayed, He and His disciples were doing something they did every year. They were celebrating Passover. But at this particular celebration, at this particular night, Jesus did something different. He took bread, and after he blessed it, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. body of our Lord, broken for us all.
on that same night, he poured out into a cup the wine that had already been blessed with the words, this is my blood, which is a new covenant. We've listened just now to our own covenant. The covenant of of Christ is found in the blood of Christ, which was the cost God was willing to pay that we could be and do who we are. It's in Christ's name that we take his cup. the blood of Christ that was poured out so that we as a body of Christ could live forever. The invitation to Christian discipleship is open now to any who want to say that they want to be a follower of Jesus or anyone desiring to join this worshiping community. You can do that as we sing this hymn together. Let us stand.
can be seated for just a few moments. Just a couple of announcements. Uh, one, again, thank you for all of you who are visiting with us today from parts of Florida and other parts of the country. It's great to have you here today and let people get a chance to say hello to you. They always like giving good suggestions on where to go in Savannah. A um, few announcements. Uh, one, next Sunday is going to be our community breakfast. And so come early, 9.30, and have like full breakfast. And when I say like full breakfast, I mean come hungry, okay? It's going to be good stuff. So at 9.30 next Sunday. Also, this Wednesday, we are starting back our Wednesday night uh, events, and that will be uh, a pretty full slate. We'll have dinner. We'll have uh, some uh, time together. Even choir is going to start up on Wednesday as well. So make sure that you mark that on your calendar. And also, since it is a first Sunday of the month, we always take up a benevolence offering after, uh, after church. So there will be some folks in the narthex with some... Um, some, some plates for you to drop some money in that are used to help those in need um, in our community uh, throughout the month. Uh, so that is it. If you will, please uh, stand and um, hear our pastoral benediction and our congregational response. As you're praying this week, let's keep Sarah Davis in our prayer. She's having sur- surgery this week and also Teresa Campbell's uncle has passed away and the family is going uh, to be involved in that as well. During the memorial service yesterday, one of the things that impressed me most was that the senator was committed to a life that was greater than his own. And I would hope that that would be true of our church as well. So using the prayer of John Claypool, let's depart now in the fellowship of God, our Creator. And as we go, remember... In the goodness of God, you were brought into this world. By the grace of God, you've been kept all the days long, even until now. And by the love of God, fully revealed in his son Jesus, you are being redeemed. So let us go in his peace. Amen.